I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. What Drives You is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Yeah. Welcome to What Drives You. I am your host, Kevin Miller, and thanks for joining me as I talk with today's most influential change makers to uncover what truly drives them. I extract the big takeaways from their insights so you can integrate that wisdom and leverage the power of your unique drive and wake up every day to your authentic, driven, and inspired life. Here, I'm back with super coach Ajit Nawalka in his this series on self-coaching, which is his expertise. In our first show together, we dug deep into that, what self-coaching is. And we talked about getting coaching uh, outside of that as well, but how that leads into your self-coaching. Please check out that episode. Uh, we hit just some major issues around personal transformation overall. He has been doing this so long. He is an expert in, in that personal transformation at large. This is part two where we talk about what drives him specifically. We go through the main areas of life to talk about what drives him and what he is doing to self-coach himself through life as he wants to. I do want to point out too, his book is called Live Big. It's over my shoulder for those of you watching the video and you can get it free. He's given it to you absolutely free if you will go to coach coachajit.com slash live dash big dash special. Um, hey man, great to be back with you. And thanks for that, by the way, giving us the book. That's awesome. I didn't know that was going to come with the show. So I appreciate you doing that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Welcome. There's a few years ago, I published it with a publisher and recently yeah. I bought the rights back because I felt there was, uh, not enough value that we were able to drive with the book. And you know, the best thing about owning your own, own content is you can give it away for free. Uh, so I was like, Hey, listen, I don't Fair necessarily enough. need the money from the book. I'd rather have this message be with more people. So yeah. Yeah. So well, thank you. Away. Well, thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. Well, on this aspect of what drives you, it's really, it was kind of uh, uh, divine, we'll call it, that at the end of our first talk together, we kind of got into that on that purpose and the aspect of purpose. And that's a big part of spirituality. So I'll ask you then, what are your values around spirituality? How do you walk those out? So my, my, I don't know about values around spirituality, but how I view spirituality, yeah, yeah, yeah. my, my spirituality is stems from the understanding or my current understanding of spirituality is in essence that you must live a life of meaning. Um, I don't necessarily believe in any particular ideal worship. I don't necessarily follow a particular religion. Uh, I, I'm interested in all religions, so I do study religious text to understand conceptually as to where would they originate from, what, were, what were they trying to tell us, and were they trying to tell us something? And they always fascinate me whenever I get a chance. They're a little loaded and heavy, so I like to think about them, so I don't read them as quickly as I read the other books. Yeah. Uh, but my spirituality is, is human beings. My spirituality is discovery. My spirituality is living a life of meaning and purpose. Uh, and I stay present to that in, in every way and every day. I also believe my spirituality, I, I believe definitely that we are energetically bonded. And I don't know how far you want to take this. So stop me if, far, if far, I go far into the deep end and you're like, dude, what are you talking about? No, you can uh, go. We'll go into deep water. So, so to me, I, my personal experience of spirituality 
has been where I I have had trance-like states without any hallucinogens or anything like that. I've tried them too, but even without them, just in a deep meditative state, I've experienced humanity's consciousness to myself. Like I've personally experienced it. Uh, and so I, I feel like on, because I'm turned on to that, I feel very connected to other human beings. And so I do believe in one consciousness, if I may call it that, which means we are all intertwined with um, a thing that we cannot explain. So I call it consciousness, but it's one consciousness. And so we are all tapped into each other energetically, which is why my work, if you would see, or what I do on a day-to-day basis or how I show up and, or I try to show up on a day-to-day basis is always from a place of contribution. Or what can I do for you? And if I can do some for you, what happens is it elevates your consciousness, hopefully. And if it elevates your consciousness, hopefully we all, as one humanity, one consciousness, also elevate. So that's my intent. That's my spirituality. That's how I live. I believe in energy work because of that. I believe in intuition because of that. I believe in connectedness because of that. I tapped into you earlier, you said in spirituality as human beings, and you said the word discovering. Uh, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because as we look at this and especially, and I'll, I'll, I feel a little bit free to, to tap on religion a little bit. Cause that's what I've grown up with was a staunch, you know, religion that even though there are tenets of it that I still attest to, I question the certainty of mm-hmm. that and the people that I find myself drawn to and interested in and curious about are the ones who are on a continual state of discovery. I don't know how to separate that out of, that out of spirituality. I mean, it is called faith overall, mm-hmm. which belies that it's not a proven thing. That's hard to have certainty. So for you to put the, to highlight that word of, of in your spirituality of discovering is um, that speaks to the kind of faith that I now have. So thank you. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Relationships is the next one, Ajit. And I got a couple of things that I pulled out about you. Uh, a couple of things he finds that Ajit finds daily nourishment in cooking breakfast for his family or yep. making secret plans to surprise your wife on an unforgettable date night. I, I, I love those things about relationships. So tell me what drives you in your relationships. So I, I was very intentional about my current relationship, how we found it, how we got together, how we live our life every single day. And it comes a little bit from a backstory of I had a relationship, which was more um, not traditional per se, but, but comfortable, uh, you can say in a way. It was an easy relationship to be in, and it showed me what a relationship, while may seem perfect from outside, is not perfect for me. So my relationship, fundamental relationship value is growth, that I want to be excited about my relationship. I'm not looking for comfort in my relationship. I'm looking for growth in my relationship. You have spoken to my partner, Nita, uh, who also wrote a book that sucked now what a uh, few last this early this year. And, um, and if you know of her, if you know her, if you interact with her, you would see what kind of person she is. She's very growth oriented. She's very yeah. pragmatic. She's trying to do great things every day. Uh, she's trying to learn every day very much in congruence with what I want in my relationship. In my relationship, I want growth. I want certain certainties, of course, but Overall, generally, the feeling of relationship, the essence of relationship relies on is the person going to grow with me or will push me if I'm not growing and would want me to push them if they're not growing, right? So the essence, the foundation is, are we growing and developing? Are we consistently staying curious about the juice of life, if I may call it that? And which is where you got the the things that you would see there are certain things that are very certain, like I love uh, hanging out with my kids and my family. So I would often make breakfast. Sometimes I would make dinner. Sometimes I would, I, I would do activities. Sometimes I would do such activities for them to provide certain certainty in their life. Uh, is to go, oh, they know dad's going to make breakfast. Dad, or not always, sometimes my wife makes it, but a lot of times I make it, right? But I like spending quality time with my kids. And not only in the sense of just, hey, let's sit and do work together or game together or something like that, but also in service of them, in service of my family. The reason why you, you, you like you mentioned, that we, we, we have a protocol, me and a protocol or a routine, you may say, uh, that me and Nita has. And the reason we have that is because we got two kids, two and five. And when you have two and five-year-old, it's very easy to kind of settle in and say, you know what, let's hang out with the kids. 
<laughs> because it's so cute and so nice and so fun. Right. So hanging out with the kids was easy and was fun and awesome. But we also realized that if you're not intentional about our relationship, we will lose the joy in relationship, like relationship with each other. So what we started doing is we said, okay, we are going to go on a date night every Thursday, which is literally every Thursday we would go on a date night. But it's not just a date night. It's not just like, all right, let's go to a restaurant and talk about kids again, which is what happens in date nights a lot of the time. At least that's what I've been told. We said date nights need to happen in categories. We need to do something that is growth oriented, right? So one could be, let's go attend a seminar. Let's go do a one day seminar. Let's go take an online program. Let's take some growth centered activity. Go find a coach that can work with us and do a bunch of activities with us for an evening. Something that grows our relationship, bonds us together. It's not just passive consumption of wine and food, right? It's a little bit more interesting. The second thing that we need to do is it needs to be an adventure because guess when you get really bonded with someone? When you do an adventure with them, right? So something difficult, something adventurous, something like a hike or a run or something adventurous, bike ride, whatever it might be, something that is that would count as an adventure. Third thing would be something that either of us love, but the other person might not love it so much. Like my wife loves doing things like salsa classes and pickleball, and I don't like those, but I would do it for her. Right. And same is for me. There are certain things that I like that she would do for me. Right. And the fourth one is a pass. Fourth one is fine. Let's go for dinner. Let's explore a restaurant we cannot explore with kids because we do love great restaurants. Right. And Austin does have great food options. So like yeah. the fourth type of uh, of uh, of date night would be something that is more chill and relaxed. It's more like go, let's have dinner, watch a movie, something like that. Yeah. Something easy. Now, these are the four activities and one of us would take a month. So say, for example, month of November is all Ajit. So Ajit has to decide all four activities and he has to come up with what it would be, right? And he has to plan for it, he has to manage it. And all four activities uh, ideally should end with sex. So that is, of course, a default at the end. <laughs> it's like yeah, you must have sex either before the activity or after the activity, but you must have it again. It's probably more so because we have a two and a five-year-old and it gets difficult at house. Uh, yeah, people go, you could do it in the day, this, that, but both of us are also very ambitious people. We like, we are on the road a lot of the times and so forth. So ours is a little bit more structured with a lot of variety. So we, we mix it up. But the thing that drives me in my relationship is growth. And variety. Uh, that is excellent. I appreciate you. Yeah, date night. That was always a kickoff. Is we don't talk about the kids, or if we do, we combine. You combine. Okay, fifteen minutes, and we're done. No more talking about the kids. I appreciate that. You know, I, I don't know that I'll do this in each category uh, as yet, but I, I find myself wanting to ask, where do you relationally? And this can be beyond. You know, this can be obviously your family. It can be with friends. It can be with any with uh, coworkers. Whatever. I mean, relationships at large. Where do you find yourself? Um, I don't want to say needing to, but at times needing to coach yourself. I would say everywhere, man. I mean, there's, there's no area. If you're enjoying an area of life, it's probably because you're coaching yourself really well on it. I, I don't see a, a point where you don't coach yourself. Um, for example, let's take an example of my relationship. Yeah. The reason why I get to enjoy the relationship and the variety of relationship is because a variety within the scope of the same relationship is because we are excellent communicators, both me and Nita. And because of that, we, we have to constantly remind ourselves to bring ourselves back to the present moment and focus on what is and not go back into, you said this and you did that and this happened. We don't live in our past. We live in our present. It's because of certain habits and behaviors we have built in our own relationship. I mean, even if you think about our date nights, it's a, it's a habit, it's a structure that allows for a relationship to thrive. It's the same with friendships. I mean, my friends often are global. I don't see them for months. Mm -hmm. So I have to stay present to finding and rediscovering what a friendship even means, right? Does friendship mean frequency of contact or does friendship mean the depth of contact? Right? It's an interesting question to answer. The, the way you think about it would define the quality of friends that you would have. Yeah. Right? My definition is different. Uh, my, my, it's not different, but my definition is it's the depth that matters to me more than frequency. So I don't need you to see me every day. I don't need to see you every day. But we do see each other at least once a quarter, and we do go deep. We are not doing shallow conversation. We are not talking about the weather. We are not just going and getting a beer. We are really in a very intentional friendship relationship as well. Yeah. 
when you look at relationships, you know, at large, speaking of that, that's a, that's a good place to go deep and as opposed to frequency, you spoke in the first talk that we did on self coaching on our propensity to be so influenced by the expectations, the cultural norms in essence. Mm -hmm. And when you look at relationships, we've got a lot of, you know, we look at social media, we got a lot of things of expectations of what we think relationships are. Is that one that you would put there that we often get to thinking, oh, it's got to be like friends, you know, you're together all the time and it may be shallow and you're saying, no, nah, not, not a right or wrong, but there may be a need to, it doesn't have to be all the time, but that would be one is to go deep sometimes as well. Absolutely. I, I think we must question every standard that is in the world. Because standards, and, and this might be a little controversial, but if you are following a standard, it's probably because, let's, let's look at it from, a, from the point of your school, from the point of your medicine, right? Mm -hmm. If there's an average or there's a standard, it's probably something that is actually below average. Yeah. Right? It's not something that's even average. It's below average is what, because that's, that's just how standards are built. Standards are not built for you to hit a high value. Standards are built so you can somehow be standardized and succumb to something that's easy to accept and easy to create for everyone, right? So that more people can be included. It's, it's designed for inclusion. It's not designed for extraordinary. A general standard is designed for inclusion, not for extraordinary, right? So if you go, well, did you, uh, are you 20, 22% body fat? You're really fit, let's say for a 40 year old man. Yes, that's not a extraordinary standard you are trying to include as many people as you possibly can that's what is the standard you're setting same as for friendship if your friendship is depending on and again this is completely up to the person but if you're just following a standard that the world has and you're saying well that fits the standard you're not going for extraordinary you're most likely getting for inclusion so so ask yourself is that what you want in that part of relationship that you want do you just want a stable standard relationship that's okay if you want that. That's a decision that you got to make. I don't want that for me. I want to set my standard and I don't want to follow a standard just because it's easy to follow a standard. You know what I mean? I do. And I appreciate you bringing that up again. We hit on that in the first talk we had, the standards and even that within coaching that we can often ascribe to people out there, uh, coaches and influencers to a degree who have, uh, as you said, they're promoting their lifestyle and their standards, and they may not be yours. They may not be relevant. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Next category is health and wellness, which I know you talked about um, your own journey into becoming an athlete. And I read, I don't know where I read it. Uh, he said, I'm, he said, I'm ready to be fitter than I was at 20 before I hit the big four. Oh, so yeah. tell me what's driving you with your health and wellness. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% .99 of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so it, your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out 
or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash Kevin. So tell yeah. me what's driving you with your health and wellness. Uh, it's, it's a story that we shared in the previous episode where, where I had a little situation with my three-year-old at the time, yeah. and I had a eye-opening moment. Um, and in that moment, I had a few visions that I painted for myself. And I reminded myself of those visions again and again and again and again until I started to believe them fully that they would happen. And when one of them happened, I knew that I was already hitting the goal of better health than I would be. Uh, like like you said, I, I I had set myself up to that I would be healthier, fitter, better at 40 than I was at 20. I already am. I've not even hit 40. Uh, 40 is about eight months from now. I will be even more healthier, better, fitter because this is a lifestyle switch. See, for the first 36 or so years of my life, I, I, I have four key values that I follow. Uh, that that I found are my core values. That these are the values that I don't go against. Uh, these are the values that I always chase, that I always operate from, or choose to operate from. The number one value is love. Second is service. Third is freedom. And they were my values for the longest part of my life. The fourth one that I've discovered and added to my value set is health. Right. That's my new among the top four values. So I don't do things if they don't fit in my health category. So Ajit, can you work 20 hours a day? Yes, but will I be healthy? No, so I'm not gonna work 20 hour days. Hey, Ajit, can you like, you know, uh, eat this big pizza? Yes, but does that fit my health value? No, so I'm not gonna eat this big pizza, right? So it's, it's very subject. So my life is structured to fit the health set because what I've also found, and as I speak to more and more people, and as I, and I get to enjoy this beautiful life that I've been blessed with and have been able to create for myself, is that after a point, the only thing that matters is your health. That's the only thing that you got. That's the only thing that lets you actually enjoy the life you create. So you could become the wealthiest person and then you're not healthy. You don't get to enjoy any of the wealth. You could have two kids, but you're not healthy. You don't get to enjoy your kids. You can have the most amazing partner and you don't have your health. You don't get to enjoy your amazing partner. So good luck enjoying anything if you don't care of the, they don't care of the vessel that lets you experience life. And so health has become one of my primary values and I value it enough that I, I, my, my, my nutrition, my, my every, every context of well-being is, is very, very well taken care of, very focused on it. It reminds me back in my early cycling days as a, as a pro cyclist, I lived with a buddy who was a, he was a, an elite cyclist and went to triathletes, try be a triathlete and, uh, was pursuing that. And, you know, you're young, you can get away with a lot, man. You can eat a pint of ice cream, you can do whatever. And he was talking with a guy, a coach, and the guy said, ultimately he says, yeah, you can get away with it. But if you want to really win big, you got to look at everything and ask, is it going to help or hurt your progress? And it really changed his life. And I think it was about two years later, his name's Chucky V, Chuck Bailipak. He won Ironman Canada off that. Oh, but I'll never forget cool. that. It was so, yeah, it was so significant to them. Because again, he was doing what all the other guys are. And you can burn anything. You can burn a pizza and burn or whatever. But is it helping or is it hurting? Is it fueling or is it taken away? Can you get by with it? Sure. But can you, as you said, can you be extraordinary as opposed to just the norm? Uh, it's significant. Well, tell me some of the specifics, one of them being on the nutrition side, what do you do? Now you told us in the first one that I think you're vegetarian or actually vegan. I'm vegetarian. Uh, vegetarian. Not vegan. Yeah. Vegetarian. Okay, well, tell me what, tell me the structure that you ascribe to nutritionally. 
So I, I try to take 120 grams of protein. I do a test called Viome, which is for microbiome uh, optimization, uh, gut, saliva, all of it. Uh, so I, I find my foods to avoid and, and to take from Viome because it tells you based on your microbiome which foods are good for you, which foods are not good for you. But then it's all optimized for, one second, I'm about to sneeze. Ah, fair enough. Sorry about that. Uh, so, um, so once I have that data, I would choose foods from it that is optimized mostly for the amount of protein that I need in my diet. I, I work out every day, um, maybe one day or two days a week that I rest, depending on, like, for example, today, usually I wouldn't work till the time that I'm working. It's only because of you, Kevin, that I'm still in, in my office. Usually at this time, I'm at the gym. Uh, but this is in service and love, so it's fine. It's also my off days. So it's fine. Uh, but usually I would, I, I would, I would, uh, pretty much around three o'clock in the afternoon, I would go hit the gym for about an hour, hour 40, hour 20, or I would go for a long walk and another for, for an hour or so. And, um, and then I would take my dinner usually before six 30. So a very dedicated times so I intermittent fast. So I fast until noon, uh, and then I would eat my first meal, uh, at that time, usually, it's very boring standard meals, and I love them. <laughs> like I have a way that I do chickpeas, I would eat that. There's a way I do tofu, I would eat that. It's all somewhat measured. I'm not super, like it must hit 120, but I tend to hit 120 every day. Um, and, and then my evenings are also pretty routine of what I would eat. Uh, there are a few more carbs in the evening, though. I do like roti, which is an Indian bread. It's freshly baked. Uh, so I would eat that. Yes. So, so the evening is a little bit little bit of carbs not a lot but but mostly high protein and vegetables have carbs anyway so i, I have good carb yeah. content too when you're so at the gym is that resistance training you're doing there are you doing cardio yes. what are you doing no only resistance training resistance training strength training it is designed by my trainers so i i might i interchangeably use these terms uh but uh because i don't always know what i'm doing uh but they are not focused they're, they're focused on hypertrophy uh, and strength training mostly. And I cycle through different workouts, uh, again, designed by my trainers who are CrossFit champions and all that. So, but my workout is not CrossFit. I don't do the crazy, you know, uh, right. I ain't trying to hurt myself <laughs> or <Right>. compete. <laughs> a safe, a safe athlete. Oh, fair enough. No, yeah. Thanks. Next one is your mind, mm -hmm. your mental health, even your, even your mental state agit. What is what is it that you want to achieve there? What's driving you there? So I, I optimize. So I tend to be like you are probably as well, Kevin, like very passionate individual. And because of that, what I've found is there is a certain amount of work that is optimal for me after which I should stop. Even if I have the capacity to do more, I should just stop. Because if I won't, I just don't know how to stop, right? So what I've done structurally for my, for my life is for my mental well-being. In the morning, I give a good hour and a half to two to my kids and my family and my wife. We hang out. Uh, we do our morning stuff together. We dance together. We cuddle a lot. I make breakfast. We do chai together, which is like an Indian coffee, you can say, in a way. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do like an hour and a half to two. Depends on the day. Sometimes we wake up early, so two. Otherwise, about 90 minutes we'll be together. I'll get ready within that frame and come to the office around 8.30 in the morning, my time. And that's 8.30 in the morning because 9 a.m. onwards is when I start working. The first 30 minutes, we basically have a house and, and our office is also a residential property that we use as studio and everything. So it has a full setup. Uh, but I come here because then the 30-minute morning routine actually happens here. The reason being because I have my kids there and we love each other, which means they're on top of me <laughs> and I can't really do anything. So I would come here and usually it would involve, uh, it would start in my car. So a book would start in my car. I'll drive a pair of very specific set of music that I have, which is inspiring and motivating, would be with me in the car. I would get here and then would be my meditation, my focus for the day, my me calming down and just breathing, just making sure I'm regulated and I'm present uh, to what is important to me today. And then I start doing messages. So you would say around 8.50ish onwards as I'm on my phone. Nine o'clock, I have my first few set of calls. I train uh, pretty much every day or I have calls uh, three days a week, at least Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, 
So I, I start my calls and I am on calls for like three hours straight usually uh, because I'm training in one platform or another. Uh, and, and then I'm, I, I do one or two more hours of work and then I'm done. And the reason for that is because I know I am one of those people that I'm so driven that I can keep going if nobody stops me. But that's exactly why at 12 o'clock, I'll take a 30 minute break to eat. And then I'll do two more hours, 30, 40 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes is also time when me and Nita catch up. We hang out, we talk about how the day is going, if there's something that we need to catch up on, if there's a work talk that we need to do, all of that happens in that 45 minutes. And then I'll do another two hours approximately of work, sometimes a little less, but most of the days two hours. And around 2.30, 2.45, I'll leave the office. Uh, I might hang out with Nita again if she's free for another 20, 30 minutes, but then I leave the office and I go to the gym. Uh, I'll hit the gym for about an hour, hour 20, um, and I'm home by five, and then it's time for kids. So because of the structure, and you would see that it sounds like really like mundane every day, but it's designed for my mental health. Is there's at no point am I so exhausted that I feel, or I could let emotions like overwhelm or anxiety to come in. It's never too much work. It's never too little work. It's enough breaks in the middle. It is quality of work is always predetermined. And there's enough activity that fuels me so I can exert fully when I'm working. I appreciate the design of your day. It reminds me of the concept of Dr. Benjamin Hardy in his book, Willpower Doesn't Work where mm -hmm. when we just rely on like that with mental state, I'm just going to you know grip my teeth and have a good mental health state. And you're saying, no, you're designing your life around advocating for your mental health. That's, I, we don't hear that that often. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, no, and it's so, and, and the, the thing is, it's so important because if you really think about, like if you want to be a high performer in any field, really, like you have to, the greatest asset is, always going to be your mind and your energy and people think working hard works it doesn't because when you're working hard often your work it may work in your 20s just because again you feel like you're mostly skill building at the time so you think it's work but you're not really working you're like kind of like learning things so it's fine then to work really long hours but beyond a point if you're working really hard then you're not skill building you are just grinding and if you're grinding you're not doing quality work you're probably doing really crap quality work secondly you need to think about your 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 body and your mind as a battery pack if you're just spending the battery at some point you're running at end uh, at the fuel ending stage and if you're ending if you're running at the fuel end stage or at empty you're not gonna have a good throughput so the yeah. reason why i only have five hours of active work hours if i may call it them because I still do meaningful, passionate work. It's, it doesn't feel like work to me. But if I have to say mental exerting work, because it is mentally exerting, there's a reason why I have around 12, 1230, I talk to my wife for 45 minutes. Because it's rewarding me. It's fueling me back. Now I can go exert for two more hours without a challenge. And then I go to workout. It's because workout, the way I work out, at least the workout, the effect it has on my body is it fuels me. I don't, I'm not exhausted after the workout. I'm actually more energized after the workout. So when my kids see me at five o'clock in the evening, they see the same dad they left in the morning with same amount of energy. They're going, dad doesn't get tired ever. Dad can play the same way like he was playing at 6.30 in the morning when we woke up. He's the same dude when they see me at five o'clock in the evening. And the reason is because I reset my entire biological system by going doing a movement that actually fuels me, right? So you need to think yourself as a battery pack and go, if I just keep exerting, there will be a point I will experience things like burnout, anxiety, overwhelm. You're triggered easily when you're exhausted fully, right? That's why the data says that most couples fight in the evening. And the reason is pretty obvious because both of you are tired. Yeah. So your emotional thermostat has gone all the way down here. So easy to get triggered. So your emotional thermostat has gone all the way down here. So easy to get triggered. I want to pull out also, if I understood correctly, that your, if we can call it your morning routine, you know, your meditation, your plan of the day, your preparation, you're getting your mind. Yours happens at eight o'clock after the kids. So you wake up to the kids. Okay. Well, I appreciate that because we've talked and I, and again, I mean, there's, this is not a right or wrong. This is giving people freedom to find what works for 
you because we have the crowd that says, you know, you work, you get up at 5 a.m., you know the story, get up at 5 a.m., do all your stuff before the kids get up. I have had those times in my life, uh, Agit, and those were great. And I've had a lot of times when I just wasn't up for it, but I have the ability like you do being an entrepreneur that I can do the kid thing. Now I'm kind of doing that now, kind of get up. I have a little time, but then the kids are up. Uh, some of them are up really early now. I got older kids uh, to go to college and whatever. And uh, they're up really early. And it's hard to get that time. And I wait. And then at about eight o'clock, eight fifteen, everybody's gone. Everybody's gone from my house. Now, I'm at my studio now. My mine, like yours, I'm only about a mile from my house. But, um, but then I get my time, whether I have it here at the office or at my house. Then I get it, and I appreciate the freedom of that. And I want people to hear that. What works? At the point is to have a morning routine whenever it happens. Fair. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's it's again one of those things that we were talking about in our last conversation, where yeah. sometimes you would look at an influencer online. They'll go 5 a.m. That's what yeah. you gotta do. 5 a.m. before the kids wake up. And you're like, don't do that to people. That's not true. It's not, not everybody can pull it off. It may be something that you want to do. And so sure, go do it, buddy. But don't say billionaires wake up at 5 a.m. It's not true. It's not hard data. This is maybe one guy somewhere or one gal somewhere that does it. Doesn't mean everybody's doing it. The people who get to create the most beautiful lives are the people who are in control of designing their lives. And they're designing in the way they want. They don't give a shit about what people think works or doesn't work because that's not what matters in a day-to-day -day basis. You can do it for a short burst. You can't do it for a long time. It's not sustainable. And you don't want to do things that are not sustainable because you will build out the wrong habits and then hate those habits. Well said. Thank you. There you go. Self-coaching right there. Work is next. Career. Business. Um, and I did pull out to, you know, this is from you, from being the former CEO at Mind Valley to co-founding Evercoach to becoming a master coach to co-founding multiple successful businesses. My career is literally an ever evolving work of art. I love that statement. So tell me what, uh, what's driving you vocationally. So to me, what the fundamental driver is something that I kind of mentioned a little bit when we were talking about spirituality is it is that I truly believe that we are one consciousness and we are one humanity in some way. We have our ebbs and, and weird things that we do as humanity, but we are generally good people who have had bad experiences and we've made meaning out of it. And my purpose for now is to, is to help that condition, if I may call it that, is to, is to see if I can contribute in my little or big way to be able to help us see the beauty in ourselves and to be able to elevate ourselves. And which is why one of my primary values is service, is how can I be of service to, to another human being, to society at large, to a, a, a meaningful thing that we could do in life. So that's, that's what drives me in my career, uh, is to be of service, to be of value to other individuals. And what I've realized is as a human being, there is never a point in my life that I, as a human being, I am somebody that has had so many things happen to them or happen for them that I've had many strokes of paint in the art that I am yeah. today, which is a beautiful art. It's absolutely amazing. It's fascinating. And it's not complete and it'll never be. And so I am someone who is an ever-evolving work of art. And it works for my career, it works for my health, it works for my relationship, it works for me as a person, but more importantly for my career because I get to work with people and discover things that are on the cusp, things that are not fully known. So it's an even more important work of art because you have to be a lot more deliberate in it. While we know a lot about humans, we know nothing about humans. No. No. Right now, just curious. You got a lot of things going. Um, are you at a place of, man, this is good. I want to just, I want to, we're good now. Let's keep this here. We've kind of gotten to this level or is there something that you're shooting for at the moment? I'm always shooting for something, Kevin. And, and it's, it's because, um, you know, there's a famous talk that, um, Matthew McConaughey gave on when he got the Oscar. And, and I relate to that. And 
in essence, what he was saying is there's somebody came in and asked him, hey, who do you want to be? He said, I have this person 10 years from now that I will be. And, uh, and he defines that person and the person comes 10, 10 years later and say, hey, are you the person that you said you're going to be in 10 years? He said, no way. It's not. Like, the person I want to be is in 10 years from now. And the chase that he talks about, about this thing that you're becoming at all times is very exciting and very addictive to me. Uh, to me, if I, have, if I slow down, it's usually for a period of seven to 10 days, where seven to 10 days, I might have a season where I might go, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to find a new skill. I don't want to create a new skill. And usually that is a signal that I need a short holiday. And I would just schedule a short holiday. Sometimes just a weekend is all I need. It's basically because I might be grinding into something that was hard and difficult. And so my soul is telling me, take a beat. It's almost my soul is telling me, take a beat so you can find the answer to this thing that you're trying to solve because you're not going to solve this problem by trying to solve this problem. <laughs> right? Has that ever happened to you where you're yeah. like, I can't solve this, I can't solve this. And you go take a break for like an afternoon and you're like, oh, I know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of what my soul is telling me. It's like, hey, go take a break because you know the solution. It's only going to come through when you stop obsessing about it. Well, we're back to the self-coaching, the self-awareness and being aware of our own energy. And I, gosh, I feel like that even on a daily basis. Some days, man, I know, I know, man, I'm there. I'm there. I'm all there. And I know it in my workout, man, I'm, I'm cruising. I feel like I got a, another gear, the, 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 you know, me mountain biking, the angles are lining up. And then I realize the times when, man, it's just not there. Don't know why exactly, but I'm gonna go ahead and honor that. And today I'm just not going to dive into that creative project. So I'm probably just going to be pushing against the wall. I'll get some busy work done and maybe try to chill out, see if I'm there tomorrow. So yeah, fair Absolutely. enough. Yeah. Money is next. Finances, wealth, what is driving you there? Um, I don't know what's driving me there. I, I don't. I, I don't know what that means. Do you? Do you mean a goal or just what is my? What are my value sets around it? Really, the value sets, yeah, that keep you yeah. on the path that you want. Yeah. So, <clears throat> to me, money is available to everyone in as much quantity as a person wants, and money is nothing more but a way for you to enjoy what life has to offer until the time you need or want to enjoy something you should have it and this is true for everyone not just true for me it's true for everyone so i'm a very i'm very clear that if somebody doesn't have money or thinks that they do not have money it's mostly because they can't believe that they could have it hmm. um, and that's why i choose to believe that i could have whatever amount of money i want uh, and that's why I've I've not struggled with money in the past 15 years. See, one of the biggest goals I had for my my parents was to get them to buy a house and move them out of the house. Mm. Uh, I, I set that goal for myself when I was maybe like 20 years old, right? And I when I when I set that goal, I thought this is going to take me a lifetime. You know, I mean, I came from a beginning where I didn't even know how to make my first dollar or first rupee, as I would say it. At that time, and at 28, I think, 28 or 29, somewhere between that age, I bought them a house. Wow. Right. So that was transformative for me to, to, to make me realize that we think of mo money more than we need to think of it. Like we think it's this complex, weird thing that is really hard to do. And it's actually incredibly easy to do. If you know the fundamentals for you to be true. And the fundamental truth of it all is money is available to all of us. You have to stay consistent to be able to get to it. You need to know what you want to be able to have it and create it. You need to be able to write it out and then hope, you need to be able to write it out for the next three or five years and know that it'll happen and not doubt it and not question it and not wonder if it'll happen or not. And the most important of it all is don't define your money goal based on somebody else's money goal, which is the biggest problem that we all have. Most people will go, I would like a million dollars. Why? Because somebody told them having a million dollars is cool. It's got nothing to do with it. Next one is achievements. 
which to some degree you may have already answered. I'm trying to think about how to pull more out of it, but you said I'm always shooting for something, but that's a question I ask. Our achievements mean so much to us, how we see ourselves in the past in regards to our achievements. And then of course the purpose and going forward, but to ask you, what is driving your achievements? So I'm not a big achievements guy. I, I actually like to just put a thing to chase, but I don't actually care if I ever get it. Hmm. Uh, what I do care, the reason why I put it there is because I do know that I need somewhat of a compass to know where to travel. Otherwise, I would just get distracted. Or that's what I found myself to be is is I get distracted with things that are not even important to me. So I like to put something there. So say, for example, when I, when I, because we've talked about the story a couple of times, is when I said, oh, I want to have an athlete's body, I don't actually care if I have an athlete's body. What I love is that I went from 25% body fat to 13% body fat, that I have infinite amount of energy, that I can get more things done. I'm mentally super cognitively aware and present to things. I love all of that. Right. If I take a picture with my wife, we both look great, not just my wife. <laughs> right. So, so it, it's not an achievement. It's not a thing that I've achieved because I didn't really set out to do a particular thing. I just set out to say, that's the compass. So it gives me direction, gives me the focus that I need to have. And that's, let's all run and let's enjoy what happens along the way. It's the same with business. It's the same with money. It's the same with health. It's the same with the relationship. It's the same with friendships. It's the same with business partnerships. It's the same with, spirituality, I'm not trying to achieve any of those things that I write down. I, I don't care. I'm not trying or not trying. I just don't care about it. I do need a focal point so I know where to go or what direction yeah. I want to travel. And I'm yeah. okay if it takes one month or it takes 10 years. That is, I resonate with that. I want people to hear that because we do have <clears throat> kind of like what you talked about with the 5 a.m. thing. You know, you have people that as, uh, ascribe that. Uh, that's the thing that we do with you've got to have a goal. You got to know what it is. It's got to be specific and it's got to be a number and you got to commit to it. And I've always struggled a little bit, Ajit, with the reality that I just, I don't really need that. And sometimes it's frustrating. To, it feels confining, actually. But I do want a carrot to chase. I do want something to go after. But as you said, sometimes I look at it and go, man, if I don't, if I don't achieve it, it's just not the end all. I enjoyed the process till I found the next thing. And it reminds me of Robert Waldinger. I don't know if you know Robert. He's got the you know TED Talk that's been seen by, I don't know, 60 million people, I think, on the good life and their studies on the good life. And I had him on the show and I asked him about achievements. And he said, you know, Kevin, similar to you, he said, these yeah. days. I, he says, I do. I have some things I want to do. I've got some big achievements, but I'm more interested in enjoying the journey, enjoying the path that I'm mm. on. And uh, I, feel, I feel like that's got to be so freeing to people to say, you know, put something out there. I like that. Got to put something out there. Or I'm going to get distracted. But if I don't get it, I'm really just enjoying the day and the pursuit and the journey and the path. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Last one. Interest. Just personal interest. These are the things that you do may or may not be productive in mm -hmm. and of themselves or the thing you do for fun, the thing you do for play, uh, the thing that inspires. I mean, I know all this inspires. You live a life where you've geared it, as you talked about, designed it to where it all inspires you. But these are some things that are just unique to you, things that you do just for you. Yes, there are a few, actually. I oh. uh, indulge a lot in movies. Uh, mm. I, I like a good movies, not just any movie. Mm. I love watching movies. I can watch movies again and again. I'm one of those guys is like, oh, you saw the movie, you know, a year ago. Yep. I've seen Good Will Hunting probably 10 times. Uh, yeah. So I'm one of those guys. Like, you know, I love good movies. I love good stories. I just love yeah. beautifully told stories. Um, I, 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 I obsess a little bit about gear on content production these days. I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because I like movies so much. So I've got like, top of line gears and I'll study this stuff and how to shoot and what to shoot, how the lighting is going to fall and so on and so forth. So it's interesting to me, uh, random interest, completely unrelated to anything else. I love cooking. Clearly I make breakfast and all that stuff. And I haven't pursued it really hard in the last year and a half or so 
But previously, it would be like, all right, what cuisine do you want? And then I would mm -hmm. make the cuisine. Like, I would learn it and make it one of the nights. And, and it's just the last year, I haven't done so much of it. But I absolutely love it. I absolutely obsess over good food as well. Um, my new interest is, of course, just like studying uh, how to really create a wonderful body for yourself. So what workouts, how they work, what to do, what not to do, things like biome, all that stuff. Those are my new interests. They happen to coincide with my work, but that's not the intent of them. They just yeah. are interests that also happen to become work sometimes. I love books. Um, I've read third, not, I love listening to books more than reading them nowadays. So I've listened to like 36 this year. Uh, as of now, uh, I love them, love, absolutely love them. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are some of the interests that I have. Well, I actually pulled one out and I forgot about it. <clears throat> you love choosing an exciting destination for the next vacation. Is that what yes. you're Yes. That is also true. <clears throat> now we do it together because I mean, previously I would do it just, for, just now we have to, now we actually pick based on who all of would be going. So there is two yeah. destinations we'll do with kids. One to two destinations, two destinations, but at least one we'll do just me and Nita, and one destination we'll do with friends. So we'll have friends and kids and everybody together. So, so yeah, so we do about four or five trips. Actually, next week, next Monday, not the coming Monday, but the Monday after, we had a heavy, heading to India and then Dubai for a month. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, India to meet my family and to hang out with them and have a good time with them. And then Dubai is the destination that we actually picked. With All right, I do have to ask on the movies because, man, I do too. I love and I love that you brought that in. Love a good story. We started off the first show together talking about the stories we tell ourselves. So I do. I love getting lost in a good story, uh, something that inspires me and moves me. Uh, have any recently that have stuck out, stuck out to you? I mean, I'm always looking for a good one. A uh, good story. Oh, I I really like the story. It's an Indian movie though. So I don't know if it's going to stick out to you as much. It's called Rocky or Rani Ki Prem Kahani. It's a wonderful story of uh, of love uh, and family. So it's an interesting one. It's it's the one that I liked uh, recently that's popping in my head straight away. My kids loved it too. Uh so it's it was kind of fun. Um I thought Oppenheimer was well done. Uh I never got a chance to see Barbie, but people tell me that's pretty good. I just didn't i don't know why but it just yeah. we just ended up not seeing it yeah me too yeah okay good fair enough man thank you uh, it's just been a gift thanks for sharing the insight and just the things that you're doing i mean ultimately this is a series on self-coaching so it's incredibly uh beneficial to hear how you are self-coaching yourself and just the inspiration you've you've given me i think it's been confirming to hear some of what you have shared. I do want to folks send you again to get his book, which he really gets into a lot of this and just again, passion and purpose. And I love the aspect of practicality uh, is in his book, live big, which he's given us for free. If you go to coach agit, dot com slash live dash big dash special. Uh, you can get that for free. And I really appreciate you uh, offering that to us. And folks, if you got value from the show, let us know. Leave a rating on Spotify, leave a review on Apple. And again, if you would even mention this specific episode, it just uh, it's a blessing to both of us to know that we gave some value. So do that. You can watch us and watch him in his studio with great lighting from his great gear uh, <laughs> at uh, YouTube and find all the clips that we'll do on social media. Find me at kevinmiller.co. And if you want to learn how to master your own inner drive, Get my book, What Drives You, on Amazon. And until next time, folks, stay driven. Yeah.